Okay, welcome back. Hello. So I'm uh, Mike Stockins, and I'm joined by... Night in Shanghai, also known as Yang Lu. What have you been doing today? Um, nothing. I was just lazy in bed, watching true crimes. Watching, is that your favorite? <laughs> it's my guilty pleasure. Uh, someone told me that you had an unhealthy obsession with them. Yeah, my boyfriend Felix, <laughs> um, he once came back at 3am in the morning, super drunk. And just told me straight, um, we need to talk about something. What were you watching? I mean, like, I was watching true crimes. I just really love it. But those really hardcore ones. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You know, like the killings and the plotting and people like doing this with the family. And I was like, whoa, crazy. Is he as scared for his life? Is that what it is? I don't think he's scared for his life. I just, I think he's afraid and concerned for my mental health. Oh, okay. Just be, yeah, just consuming dark stuff all the time. Yeah, but I don't, I'm not dark. No? No. No? Not really? No. What kind of music do you listen to? Um, Man, I don't even know. Lately I'm listening to everything, but mostly Post Malone. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's not dark. No. No. Okay, maybe you're not. <laughs> I thought you were going to say deathcore. <laughs> nah, like a turnstile, for example, or sometimes classical, sometimes jazz. Because like, yeah, I do love like black metal stuff. But I mean, at some point my head is like buzzing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't listen to it while I tattoo because of that. It's just too crazy. Yeah, you just like pressure yourself tattooing faster, right? Yeah, yeah. Just so it stops. The worst is at conventions when it's um, not in your control and there's like someone next to you playing like doom metal for two hours. Like the songs are 14 minutes each and oh, I can't wait for them to be over as soon as they're done. It's it's the most annoying genre, I would say, <laughs> in the world about it. Um, I watched a true crime the other day, uh, but I get to the point where it's kind of like I need to turn it off because I'm like, you know, it is a bit grim, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, I find it quite entertaining because, you know, like there are people who love like press and gossips and I just prefer like real thing, the yeah. real life mm. and not like all of this fake ass, um, um, how do you call it? Like news about stars and like who is the boyfriend of what, what they are doing, what they are wearing. It's like so. Yeah, kind of celeb gossip. This is so like dull reality tv stuff yeah i don't watch this well i guess it is kind of a reality tv but it's reality reality because reality tv isn't really reality they're just like let's get a bunch of people we know are going to react to each other and put them in a situation but it's an act as well sometimes it's pitched Mm. so it's just fake all the time Mm. and it's also everything for the buzz but yeah. those people didn't thought about the bus. They were just like thinking about something so crazily, so intensively, they went through the extreme. Yeah. That's why it's like interesting to also understand like the mindset of people. Because I think also TV reality show is also, um, for me, if I have to watch one episode, it's almost like um, uh, anthropology. Yeah. It's watching those people in a small little um, room doing stuff and just like being heated all the time with like big brother or something like that yeah yeah like this yeah it's kind of a social experiment isn't it really? yes exactly yeah which and is kind of strange that we like that i'm say we not me and you but as in humans we enjoy it right because it's they're very popular it is but yeah because i think we can also relate to them 
in certain situation when you have when you, we are frustrated, stressed, angry, we can give our worst, and actually the production makes it happen. Yeah, makes it come across way worse. Do you think that you enjoy the true crime stuff? Just but the reason why I enjoy true crime stuff is because I can't believe that people would do it. Right. So, for example, I'm watching one the other day where it's um, it was called like the Badlands or something. It's on Netflix and um, it's about Ireland, you know, Ireland next to the UK. And um, it's about women that are attacked by men and, you know, unfortunately be murdered. And I just don't get how this dude, right, can just in the night be like, I'm just going to go out and, you know, hunt people. So for me, what's interesting about it, it's not the killing part, it's the it's the psychological part of like, why are you so fucked up? Do you yeah, know what I mean? I do actually. And the reason why a lot of women, because I am not the only one, I talked about it with a lot of people, Women love true crimes because it's a um, way for them to be more precautious, more preventive. See the signs. Exactly, like all of the red flags. <laughs> so yeah, that's a that's also one big one big thing for me. But also like the most of the reason that I've could recorded so far from all of the true crime I've seen is um um lack of confidence, lack of love from the family, um lack of um empathy. Uh, bullying, like all of the 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 thing that can happen in your life that can fuck up your brain real bad with like PTSD, uh, borderline um, personality disorder, uh, antisocial personality disorder. Actually, it's the actual name, and um, sometimes it can really affect the brain so bad that actually um, people are just distressed and they're just living on coping mechanism all of the time. It's like they just grew up and learned that this is life and this is how they have to act. And in this narrative, they're so alone in their head because with this kind of fault, you are just alone. So you just go even go, you go even deeper into this kind of mindset. That's why you get lost. Yeah. Are you talking from the perspective of the victim or the... Both. Because uh, most of the killer are often victim of something. Yeah, of course. The Yeah, the childhood trauma, the relationship with their mother is normally a big one have you seen um uh what's it called um mind hunter mm, no i didn't watch this one yeah. i watched i watched the one from explore with us and actually this is more sickening because it's the actual footage of like random people right so it's like even more raw instead of having like those um super uh, beautifully made uh, documentaries so um Mind Hunter is a series. It's not a documentary, but it okay. shows it follows the series because it shows when um the FBI was formed and they didn't have the name psych um serial killer. And it's about the guy that created the name serial killer, and he said that there was links between, you know, childhood trauma and these killers from happening. So he was like, we could actually see a pattern. And analyze it when everyone thought, well, you're just born crazy and you would kill. And he was like, no, it's actually environmental. And then they started kind of researching and doing that only because of this guy. It's really good. Yeah, If you like true crime, you'd like it. I should because I think I got re uh, recommended, but my um, Netflix subscription got ended. Oh, did it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have watched it, I think. What happened to it? 
to my Netflix account. Yeah. Um, so um, for my past job, one of my ex customer gave me the account for free. Okay, we'll go. We'll go into your job then. So what was? And first, first for the viewers, uh, for the listeners, explain your accent first. Oh, sorry. So my accent come from Belgium, but I am a French speaker person, so I speak French. Mm. I mean, I can speak many other languages, but uh, I have a neutral accent most of the time. But the French one is kind of a little bit strong I when I speak. I think I asked English. you before. You speak Chinese as well, right? Yeah, so. I do. I do speak Chinese and a little bit of Mandarin. Mm. Like yeah. a spy. Man, I wish I could speak Russian. That would be awesome. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Then you would be a spy then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Took him all off. Right. So your job. Well, it's your pastime job now, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's over. I'm retired. Um, I was a dominatrix, um, professional and lifestyle, because it's also two different divisions, if I can say. Okay. Sometimes, What's the difference? Uh, lifestyle is... For example, you and your partner, you and your girlfriend, you and um, whoever you want. Kind of play be. at home kind of thing. Almost exactly. Sure. Yeah. Could be also like in play parties, but um, yeah, lifestyle is really like you live it 24-7. Like really it's your life. And professional is like you also have maybe like a vanilla life or also BDSM life. I don't know. And you do it professionally, so you get paid. Okay. And you, you'll get paid by clients individually. Yeah, I used to, but pay. It's funny because because of the law back in the day um, in Belgium, until June of last year, it was still illegal or not really like legal. But sex working is is a job in Belgium. But now so far it's really decriminalized, which is even better than legalized. Okay. So now it's a real job you can have paid holiday you have a social security so it's a uh, it's really seen as a real job oh wow yeah so before then we couldn't get paid for this work so we would just say oh we don't get paid we receive a tribute or gift so basically we get paid like this yeah kind of like a, a tip almost right? exactly so yeah. we don't have to go around the fact that we worked with customer we call them slave subs Blah, 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 and so on. We just play around with the laws. Yeah. So it was always like under underdog, really difficult to to be like fully transparent with this. It was really, for me, annoying because I also want to be seen as a worker, but also I don't want to pay so much tax as an independent because we get taxed between 40 or 50%. Mm. And in we don't... In Belgium. Yeah, and back in the day, we didn't have like social security. So what it's worth so would you say then um was the law kind of bracket in it in the same as kind of sex workers in prostitution and stuff like that when they were outlawing it or did it have its own bracket in itself it's not done yet they're still discussing about it oh, okay. because it's very gray zone like you know like the sex working is stripper escort prostitute and then you have also um the dominatrix you know, like this is the fork of all of the variety of sex work. And maybe there will be more like also cam girls and blah, blah, blah and so on. But yeah, it's it's a very gray zone because some do a little bit of everything. Some are very specialized in one thing. Like just for example, strippers are just strippers, but sometimes they do maybe a little bit of extra on the side. We don't yeah, know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 
they, but, could, they could just pick up whatever they want kind of thing. Yeah, but the issue with BDSM is because we inflict pain, we do have to require some tools or we do certain practices that are kind of a little bit dangerous, you know. Damn. <laughs> yeah, because there are some stuff like, for example, there is abduction. Right. There are some people who fantasize about it. Okay, so you'll have a customer that's like, I want you to kind of abduct me. How would they do that? If you're, would you go to their house when you do this stuff? No, 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 no. I think they would be too scared. Like if I go to their house, because of course they want to have the secrecy. Privacy is really prior for everyone, I guess, because this is not the kind of things you want people to know. Yeah, sure. And maybe he has a family, so or neighbors, and I don't think he wants to be caught. By the neighbors. So. Do, do you get all types of client, or is there a main type of client? Um. So so far, I had some really interesting profile, which are more diverse, more um, LGBTQ, or you know, like how to say. Mm, I picked my customer on a certain range. I um, I went for the cis uh, white male because I have less. Um, a little less empathy. I still have some, of course, but I would feel so bad to take the money of someone that is like from a, a minority that was a little bit political and a bit strange oh, for okay. me. Yeah, okay. But also, I, as a person of color, that would have been also interesting for me to do it, but I, I couldn't. It was very difficult. Mm. Yeah. So you do have empathy. So Felix doesn't have to worry about you watching so many documentaries. Yeah, I'm just doing it by, I don't know, by precaution or something. <laughs> Entertainment. But for it being a kind of subculture, kind of underground kind of thing, you, does it? there's obviously like a dark side to that, would you say? Was it dangerous? Yes, work? yes, of course. It is maybe also, first of all, it can be dangerous for the client. Because if you're inexperienced or if, if anything happened, or like, you know, you can have accident. For example, after the, the COVID, you know, everybody was short breath, like they couldn't manage to breathe properly. And um, for example, I had this, um, this slave who had a little bit of weight and he was on his um, chest. And unfortunately, he was not really good at breathing. And the room was too hot, apparently, because the heating was on and he fainted. And oh. if you're not prepared and you don't know how to do like the first aid, the secretism or this kind of aid, you can really turn this situation to a nightmare. So, of course, I am trained. I also had, for example, I was also doing the hygiene certificate. I don't, I know way much more than most of the dominatrix, I think. But if they do impact play with blood, some of them don't even know. They have no clue. With blood? Yes. So you're drawing blood from them? Well, I guess that comes to the tools, right? Go, yes. go through some of the tools. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your face. List your, list your favorite. <laughs> My favorite is the cane. The cane. And the bamboo stick. Old school. Yeah. And very light, easy to manipulate and um, efficient. Mm. Really, really efficient. Because like, I really love the whip, but I love them really long. So sometimes in a small room, it can be also a little bit dangerous because I can hit some stuff or I can have the whip return to me. So I can, I can also whip myself by accident. Oh, like an actual, like the whip. Exactly. These ones, they're my favorite as well. And I guess that's when you're going to see some blood. I mean, with everything, you can see blood. Oh, man. 
Yes, there are even like some claws. It's also a tool that looks like the wolverine hand and it's like really sharp. You can even trim it to make it even more sharp. I've got some of them at home. Here you go. But they're, they are wolverine claws. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so. Maybe you can have a new king. <laughs> oh, I, I uh, now having this conversation, I feel way too frigid for that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> everybody think I am uh, actually uh, very um, extroverted and very crazy with the se sexuality, but actually, I love it. Really simple. Mm. This is also like something people believe. Like because you're a dominatrix, you must be super crazy, wild, and intense, yeah. and um, it scared a lot of men. Well, when I first met you, you didn't come across that way. You were very chill. Yeah, I don't like to have a. How can I say? I'm not fake. I'm not. I'm. Mean, I'm not gonna promote myself as someone that I'm not. Mm. And uh, I see it a lot, and I don't like it. Yeah, I was really, really embarrassed when I met um, some former colleagues, if I can call them colleagues, because they were pretending to be dominatrix, but actually they were just baby dumb who just discovered BDSM and who were doing a terrible job. Okay. And yeah, they were the worst. They had like really strong attitude, and they didn't talk about you, they don't care about what you think, they would just talk about themselves all along and bawling about their money they were making, but actually it, most of it was lies. So you would say that when you're talking about it, you're talking about a craft, like a, something that you've learned, is that where, where do you where do you learn this kind of? Oh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very funny uh, question. So I've learned most of the things that I basically start with, as for example... Um, you know, like the dungeon, the protocol. Um, the dungeon? Yeah, like uh, the dungeon, how it works, blah, blah, blah. How to uh, start a scene, how to... And do you mean the dungeon as in a physical place? Yes, it is. A, that's how we call the playroom, a dungeon. Oh, okay. How old school is that? Like, what the fuck? I don't like <laughs> to it <the> either. Dungeon. <laughs> to the dungeon. To the dungeon. For me, it sounds the same as when people say tattoo parlors. Oh, yeah. It's, it has this old school name, so I'm like, hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dungeon okay yeah. sounds sounds scary already yeah it is sometimes scary because when i look at the overall um uh look of the rooms and the, how it is adjusted with the stairs and the little cage i was like wow that's intense <laughs> and so did you learn off someone else then yes i was about to to say it i learned it from from a dominatrix i'm not gonna say her name because maybe she want to be also private because I, I saw that she removed um, her website and everything. So I'm not going to yeah, mention. Fine, yeah. um, so we met, I think, um, eight or 10 years ago. I think 10 years ago. It was during the World Cup. One of the World oh. Cup. I don't know which year. I think 2012. Okay. Was it? Football fan? Actually, yes. Only, only for the World Cup. Uh, yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> beside that i don't care <laughs> i'm like nice yeah <laughs> yeah so i met this woman uh it's it's a, it's a very belgian story i met this woman for the world cup we were drinking beers and then we just kind of like sympathize and we got along okay and then she slipped in she's like i'm a dominatrix you know? no it took a little while be before she started to say it and um she saw that I was also a model, that I was really alternative, that I had this look and blah, blah, blah. So she was like, oh, um, what about we can train um, to learn shibari together? I was like, yeah, sure. I'm Could interested. What, sorry? Uh, shibari. Okay. What's that? It's a bondage with a rope oh, and it's okay. with nuts. Yeah. It's important to train because you Were can't. Were they expensive? 
they hang from the ceiling and stuff like that? Or? Um, always start with the floor work and then like from the ceiling because sometimes like from a wrong movement you can paralyze uh, one person for a month. Jesus. Yeah, arm. Yeah. Mostly it happens a lot with the shoulder because some people are, are hyperlax and you don't even know. So, and even themselves, they don't even know. So I'm, I'm really a noob to this. So the knots, I'm guessing you, you put them in a certain figure around the body to make sure this doesn't happen, but it's giving some kind of, I guess, frail for the person being roped. So actually, um, there is this kind of, um, ritual, if I can say like, it's good also to touch a little bit the model. Not uh, in a sexual way, but sometimes, yes, it does if it's with a partner with who you intimate. But you always have to check a little bit the bone structure so you know where you put the rope. Otherwise, you can like just put it on the hip and there is like this bone that is really thick. And if you just press it too hard, the blood doesn't pass through because there is a huge vein there and it can be really painful. Okay. So there's a lot of kind of biology to <laughs> Kind of, yes. If, you, if you're if really thorough and you have to consider all of this, it's like when you tattoo, you also have to consider like sometimes a little bit their skin, how it is, because some, um, for example, Japanese tattoo have a more thicker skin than Chinese. Uh, um, Latino people have an excellent skin, for example, like a really firm, quite thick, mm. which is good. So yeah, it's also interesting like to check a little bit the body type. Okay, so she she decided to get you to show you this. And then... Yeah, and slowly we started to talk about, like, what she was doing. Then she told me about, like, everybody knew. She she told me that she made a coming out. Like, you know, when you have to reveal yourself. And I was like, oh, you really have to do a coming out about this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like... And for me, I didn't care. But for me, it was pretty obvious when I started because of all of my um, aura on, in my picture, I guess. Because, like, when she started to teach me how it goes we went through session and directly i i've learned straight in the scene so um, what happened is um the customer came to me and i never had to advertise it so what when you heard this and and you've obviously had like a a brief kind of introduction to it what was it that was so that kind of captured you about it what was why why because some people listening might be like if someone told me that i'd be like whoa what the hell you know or but for you you're like i love that what, what was it about it that you were drawn to yeah it's it's a um, it's a good question actually because i was thinking about why people love to do this kind of job mm. and some people are really passionate really excellent really good everybody have their own field and um I was also a little bit thinking about it, why people do this kind of job. So I've discovered like multiple stuff, but it's mainly mainly like or validation or addiction, adrenaline, power, money, sex. I don't know. It's it's mostly something that is really thrilling and mostly it's the adrenaline of it. Right. Okay. And the adrenaline is sometimes like we don't even think about it. It's a crazy addiction. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I've, I've, well, it's the same as the, would you say then with par with people that are like, you know, thrill seekers, like base jumping and yeah, exactly. you know, things like that, but more in a kind of, I guess, an essential way in that, in that kind of, in that, in that style. But, um, so then you started getting your clients through, through that, through. Just, you know what? I had like my Instagram from 2018 
And uh, at that time I was taking this job really seriously, but before it was like really casual. And I don't know, like all of them contacted me like really randomly back in the day. It was Facebook, the social media. So they would just come to my Facebook, ask me messages, and I would just check if they were like reliable. And then I opened my uh, Instagram to have it all separated. And then it kind of boom, mm-hmm. like easily. I guess because like my profile is very different. I am the very one Asian girl from Belgium doing this. Mm. Run through what you were thinking when you got your first client and you had to see your first client. Do you remember that experience? Mm, I do remember, but for me it was, uh, how can I say? I'm a very confident person, so I don't, uh, I don't think much. It's like, it's a person. I am also a person, but I have a role. He has his role and we're going to play. Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't going to be a very, you know, you didn't find it strange or. Um, Yeah, I never found it strange, actually. When I think about it. No? I I was pretty natural all the time. And sometimes I was not ashamed to tell like, yeah, I don't know what to do with you. You don't inspire me anything. Okay. And they would just suggest me stuff in a very polite way. And I would just see if I liked it or not and just like you know I started with really basic stuff because for me if you have no experience you don't do it right okay this is my motto I guess like if you don't know you don't do it yeah because for example if you do shibari and you have no experience you can maybe choke that person yeah sure don't do it yeah yeah and and as well if uh, I can imagine for say for yourself like your frame you're you, you know you're quite a a little person compared to me, you know, that if I was suspended somewhere and <laughs> you have to get me down, yeah. it's going to be a bit of a challenge, I would imagine. But there is a technique to um, pull people up. It's like oh, really, yeah. really interesting. It's about, um, you know, you have this ring and you can use one cord and this cord, you can pull it in a certain way, but you never release this cord, always two hands, literally. Right. And actually, you can just pull it by being literally almost like um, down on the floor and just pulling it because it's the safest way. How many years were you a dominatrix for? Mm, nearly eight years. Oh. Eight years. Wow. Yeah. When I think about it, it's crazy because I um, I did it when it was not so mainstream, if I can say. Because now it's so popularized, you know. Before it was a little bit ashaming to be a dominatrix because you are the woman who used a na- naive um, naive mind of men to... Oh, you think you're kind of manipulating them or, or exploiting them kind of thing. I mean, I don't, but people would see us like this. Like mm. when, when a woman... But surely is... they're coming to you for their... They know the deal, right? Yeah, exactly. And actually, it's so crazy because the, it's the popular opinion. Like The popular opinion has way much more uh, sympathy for... Um, prostitute because they're like oh my god like um sex trafficking sex slave oh my god they have to go through such a hard job of course it exists which is true yeah that's why like we have this um image of these women suffering but some women are doing sex work because because they want to yeah they want to so they're looking from a uh, from a perspective of saying like oh for these sex workers they are feeling sympathy towards them because they feel like they wouldn't want to be doing that that's they have to do sex work and and you're choosing to be a dominatrix is that what that is that what you mean yeah because like you know we are the mean woman who takes the money from the weak men right you know and we are empowered but those men want to feel weak 
It's, I'm guessing you have a lot of clients with a lot of money and a lot of power, right? Oh, they do. Yeah. And when you, I'm just going from like, you know, I can only go from the perspective of like films or something like that, you know. But um, when you see a scene with a dominatrix and it's always like a powerful white male who wants to be humiliated for some reason, you know. Yeah. So they're going into that situation knowing that, right? Yeah, they know. It's all about consent. So how are they a victim? Uh, no, I mean, the popular opinion, it's like from the outside people. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's, it's Actually, crazy. It's just, you know, it's patriarchy. Like the man is the provider. He's the savior. He's the man in charge. He's the, you know, the chief of family. So that's why it's so disturbing for a lot of people to see this. Because oh. a lot of people are conservative or come from a conservative background. And you notice know, it's such an extreme, if I can say extreme, um, tendencies that people cannot understand. Sometimes it's so crazy to to believe that one man wants to be in a diaper and being treated like a baby. Yeah, but they do. They pay for it. Yeah, and they love it. Mm. Otherwise, they wouldn't ask. No. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, it's funny because you 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 depicted like the classical scene of like uh, what is domination in film and movies, but I think they do a terrible job about showing this. But of course, like in a movie, they're not going to make a little um, speech about how it works. Yeah. But you always go directly to the um, spicy part when they whip the guy for I don't know how many hours and they just go really crazy. And it's really theatrical because it has to give a little bit of um, spice for the movie. But in reality, it's mostly, for me, it was 40% talking, chatting, Talking about the rules, the protocol, how it goes, blah, blah, blah. Talking about the scenario, talking about a medical issue, if they have some, um, how we can plan this. Most of the time, it takes like so much time before the actual session. The session would last maybe maximum five hours, but the talk beforehand is like super extra long. Five hours. Will you disclose how much it will cost for five hours? Mm, it depends. You don't have to. Um, I can give a range, actually. So for five hours, it can go from zero to 5,000. Wow. Yeah. And I say zero because it depends with who you play, how you play, how, why you want it that long. You know, sometimes like there are some play that uh, that lasted that long, but that didn't cost that much because it was abduction, for example. Yeah. And, and how, would, how would you do abduction? I don't get If you have to turn up to... A position. How, where are you getting abducted from? Oh, actually, the the person can go to a park, and um, I would ask someone to drive like a van or something. And actually, like sometimes it's easier. Sometimes they would go into the parking or where they have their car or something, and we can also like uh, plan a little trip like this. But the, yeah, they're kind of in on it, and you what? Well, I guess you put a bag over the head or something, and then yeah, we do. <laughs> it was so funny because I, I remember when I had to do my first one, I had to think about um, a cushion for the head because if we threw that person and he would fall off, like he wouldn't hit his head on the door or something. Yeah. <laughs> and do, do you ever get a client like say if an accident happens like that, they're angry about it because they're like, hey, this is meant to be safe or. Um, or is that part of the frill for it? It never happened to me, actually, because I was always so cautious. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, God. I heard, like, horrible stories. Do you know how long Dominatrix has been around for? Forever. Forever. I was mean, it the dawn know, of time forever? Or? But you know what? <laughs> there are some housewives that are literally Dominatrix. Yeah. Because domination can be 
humiliation, can be sensual, can be financial domination, can be, uh, you know, um, it can be in many ways. And actually, sometimes some housewives are literally dominating the men. They are the chief of the household. Yeah, but when they're not doing it intentionally like that, say if they're doing it for their own self-gain, like you, when you're when you're doing it, you know there's a contract, right? They're, they're not a physical contract, but you have a verbal agreement with each other that this is play. As soon as they say, I'm guessing, as soon as they say a safe word, you stop. With mm-hmm. their wife, they don't stop. They just they just do that, right? Yeah, it's, it's true. kind of difference. Yeah, I guess like the marriage is like their contract. Though. That's toxic. Yeah, it's fucking toxic. Yeah. But I mean, like yeah, you know, we we've seen this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey, you'd be really good as a dominatrix, you know. <laughs> but and uh, I think I've met this dominatrix, and she's um, married with a man, which uh, they're such a lovely couple. And it's her husband who kind of supported her and pushed her to to be a dominatrix because he thought she was really good, and uh, and she is. Okay. So you know, like I think it's in behind closed doors since forever, and yeah. Do you ever find, I know you're in a relationship now, but did you ever find that it um, put pressure on a relationship or hindered it in any way? Yeah, it pressured a lot of men. Yeah. Yeah, not me, personally speaking. But sometimes it was pressuring them because they think, they always think first that it's about the money, that I have way much more money than them. Right, so they struggle with the power position in the relationship due to money then. First of all, and then also like... Mm, you know when sometimes I'm on the phone or when I am in back in the session, like a little, I still have a little bit of this aura around me, and they hate it. Or sometimes I have to talk to them on the phone with my slave, and they would listen to the conversation. And they would be like, "I don't recognize you." Right. Okay. And sometimes yeah, I remember, like there was one of my ex. He was like, "Yeah, what the fuck you think you are? You're so fake. You're so fake." And I but was it like, is "Fake." And I was like, "There's a part of it that's fake." Though, I was right? like, "It." I was like. It's a little bit fake, but also it's a little bit real at some point, you know, because it's a little bit, a little part of myself that I let express. When I was angry, I was really angry. When I was saying stuff, I was really meaning it. And I was saying stuff that were, I think, accurate and normal in this conversation because it's job. It's a work. Mm. So where do you think that comes from then? Do you think that just comes from theatrics in yourself, being able to feel the thing or do you think that comes from somewhere else oh it comes because i i know i i made my own researches about myself what the fuck i was doing this <laughs> okay so um i come from a very conservative family i was in boarding school for 12 years and um, yeah something 12 years no 16 years sorry in a boarding school for 16 years yes uh, wow. i had a very strict uh, education so yeah it was really strange for me i think i had a lot of anger in me i have a i used to have a lot of anger management Okay. And so far, like, I'm doing much better because I went through a lot of therapeutic um, consultation and also, like, through BDSM, I kind of reconnected with myself. Right, okay. It's a, it's a bit strange to say because, actually, I think BDSM can help some people who have some trauma, but it doesn't heal them properly, but it helps. Unless they identify what that trauma is and work with it, right? Yeah. Because if you, with anything, if you're trying to heal yourself mentally, not noticing what's happening, say if you do it through 
you know, you're having a great time with alcohol or something, oh, yeah. you know, and you go, oh, it's just because I, I like to drink because I like to have fun. But then it turns into a problem, you know, down the line because you haven't identified why you like it so much. You know, for example, yeah. I, it's, it's kind of hard to relate to because I'm from the, you know, I'm re feel really on the outside with this, you know, but what was so what was boarding school like then? Um we had like schedule all the time. We had like two ring alarm in the morning and one last to go to breakfast. And it was all about this fucking ring all the time. So it was really military. We had to be in two range, wait to go to eat. And each one of us, uh, one by one, we had to take our meal and follow the line. It was always about like guideline, following this, listening to that. It was not free at all. And I was staying there all the time. And then like going home, I had my... um. You know, I'm, I am Chinese, so my parents are just Asian parents, so they are more strict than, yeah, a lot of parents, I guess, because they didn't want me to go out. Uh, so I was staying the whole weekend at home until I was 16. So when I came out, it was like, I was like, um, how I can say, a mad dog, literally. So you, you would relate to, like, this idea of gaining... you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this like kind of gain, gaining power in this position of a dominatrix to the power that you never had. Exactly, yeah. and I also felt um, I didn't knew I had such a strong um, a, a political opinion because when I when I discovered that I was the second daughter during the law of the only child in China, it's weird, no? Because I am not supposed to be there, and I had to I had I had the feeling since forever that I was not supposed to be here and that they were like a little bit disappointed that I wasn't a boy. Oh, right. Okay. Because of the, explain that for me. The law of the only child, I think it took place in the 74 until 17. Right. And it was a law to regulate the birth of the child in China because it was too much. And um, since uh, 17, it's two kids, but I think everybody don't want to. It's, uh, they're so used of this and also it's too expensive to have kids so from a perspective with yourself you didn't feel like you belong because you were born female exactly and also uh in belgium i was asian but in china i was european right okay yeah i had that my chinese was not so good and also i had like this very european attitude i didn't understood like all of the the cultural differences so i was like kind of a little bit uh, lost in between and yeah, it was it was not great to feel like really not um, belonging to anything. I think it's really cool that you're Asian, but you speak French and yeah, that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's well works well for your character in the um, dominatrix world? I think it was kind kind of um, yeah. A lot of people mentioned that my French accent was uh, actually pretty pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> it helped a lot. <laughs> 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 so um you said that you did it for eight years so do you um and and you've come to a, a close of it now D did you have like kind of like a high point with it did it start slow or was it one of those things where it just like it was all go from the beginning no uh i took my time because i need my um mental space to be safe how can i say um when i started i started way too fast in my opinion, I had like, uh, I don't know, in one week I had like 
three and four appointments so far. And for for someone that begins, it's a lot, especially with not so much um, experience. So I didn't have enough experience to also do some self-care for myself, to also keep myself sane. And kind of decode exactly. what you're doing, right? Yeah, because at some point I was I was really a bitch to everyone. Right. I was too much in my role. Living the character. Yeah, way too much. I was, uh, even myself, when I think about it, I was a bit ashamed to think about it. Yeah. So I can imagine that because I've only met you as you are now. But I remember you you were very open about it from the beginning because you, you were still, well, you had just kind of finished up then, right? You were considering hanging up the whip. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice said. <laughs> this is the drop the mic, but the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. Amazing. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I thought I was. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. When you when you turn around and you was like, I'm a dominatrix. I could see it because I had seen your page and stuff like that. Okay. But because I had met you and you're so sweet and you know quite cute, that I was like. Really? But you like, can dominate people with kindness. You can dominate people by your intellect. You can dominate the conversation with someone with your sense of humor on how witty you can be. You know? Mm. You can dominate someone even like... I was like most of the time really calm. So actually I don't raise my voice. If they can't hear me, I'm like, I'm leaving. If you don't apply or or follow what I'm instructing you, I'm leaving. There is no point. Mm. I am not here to teach you to be a good sub. So if you don't follow the guideline, then just fuck off, actually. Leave me the fuck alone. Because yeah. we, when we start, like, I have to tribute in advance. It's always like this. Even prostitutes, it's always the same. Like, they get paid before, never after. It's dangerous. Right. Okay. Yeah, of course. So what, what do you have set up for, like, a protocol for being safe? We have a lot of a protocol. We have, like, even those short names, like, prick. Or rack. I can't remember everything perfectly, but it's all about like, you know, um, consent, communication. Also, like you, it's also good to make eye contact a lot with the, um, with the sub when they don't have their eyes covered, of course. But we also have to check the heat of their body. I check their their breathing. I Yeah, but I mean safety for yourself. Oh, for myself. Yeah. Man, this is the, the most tricky part I had to, to dive in. It was so difficult for me. Like I had to make sure to have a second number. Uh, but it was always difficult because, you know, you could have like those burner phone with a prepaid card. Now less and less you can have it because you need to put a name on this. Yeah. It's easy to find people these days yes. as well. So how did you get around that? I mean, I... It was before, it was booming, before it was even more niche than now. So that's why it was way much more easy for me. But then, like, lately it was becoming too much, mm. really too much. Is that why it grounded it to a halt? Yeah, it's, it's, the scene has changed so much because of internet. Okay. And In COVID. What way? In internet, you can have everything. And now, like, the competition is harder. Now, like, you can have a ticket flight for uh, 400 euro to go to you, to New York, you know. So you can easily find those customers who can fly for you. So, yeah, the competition is harder and there is more and more dominatrix. And since the COVID as well, everybody who had a camera, who were broke, needed help. You know, like, they needed very easily to meme OnlyFans or all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. And they realize like there is like a quite of a big part of the cake that you can have in the BDSM scene because people would pay. 
So you would say that it's, the market's kind of oversaturated. Yeah. I mean, it's like in every scene, if you're good, at some point, if you're endurant, you're going to succeed. People will remark you by your work and your skill. But if you're bad, I hope one day you get fucking cancelled. Mm, okay. I mean, in your job, not in your life. Yeah. So with it, were you were you coming to an end because you're kind of frustrated of the whole, was it a whole package kind of deal with just being like, you know, this lifestyle? Did you ever see yourself kind of settling down? Was that a kind of point in your life where you're like, I'm going to explore this for a bit and I have a vision of my life that I would like to have? Or did you not see anything past? I knew exactly what I was doing. And I knew I wouldn't do it for the rest of my life because I don't want to be this uh, old caricature of a bitter woman who is whipping men for money. Okay. I wanted to do it what, as long... What makes you so mad? So why, why not that? I mean, like I had fun so far, but then I started to understand the showbiz was really being different. Um, it's a lot of showing off. It's a lot of um, branding yourself. It's a lot of... For me, that was a little bit too fake. I couldn't be like genuine with everyone. And on my social media, the way I was presenting myself, I couldn't show a little bit of vulnerability because they would just take it to use it against me. Mm. So, yeah, on my uh, back in the day on my profile, I would look like really mean, really cold, really distant, really unapproachable. And I'm not this person. But I had to play this game with the slave because I am actually, but only with them. So, for example, when my friend was watching my page, they didn't know they didn't know who I was. They didn't know I was in distress or tired or burned out or anything else because we I just keep on branding myself. This is just free advertising for me. I'm gonna use it. Yeah. So that was also the dawn part of it. Like people just idealize my life, and because I was glamorizing it, I was like promoting it so hard that people believe like this is the life and I'm living it. And of course can't lie i had a lot of fun i had a lot of uh, i had a lot of luxury thing uh, i went to the most beautiful place i ate the best food uh, i met a lot of interesting people mostly my work um, my co-worker my co fellow colleague uh, my fellow colleagues they impressed me the most in this whole field because the slave most of them if i can say maybe 70 percent of them are quite um, disappointing because they are just lusted men. They but, just come for the show. But all of these women who are working in this field, they are like a one single woman business, an empire, and they just rule this whole thing by themselves. And so do you think that was the side of it that was appealing for you as well? Because I know that you said as well about your political views and you mentioned the patriarchy of um, a couple of times do you think that it's you know seeing these women and being in, in an empowered position was very enticing about the job as well of course the whole aesthetic is really attractive and i wanted to live this fantasy as well but yeah unfortunately like my political point of view and the showbiz how it was going i had the feeling like because there was more and more dominatrix they had to provide more and more service to the customer and i had the feeling like they came with a menu on what they want and we had to give them and, and they, because they could just go oh well I'll go to another one then exactly and that's the issue right. i had the feeling at some point that i was into the service of these men uh. and i was like no i'm not a slave myself i'm not a slave for money i don't want to be dominated financially by a white man mm. no fucking way i was like i mean 
it's amazing to have money, but this is costing my mental health. I don't need it. And the role gets reversed then as well when, when they're negotiating or whatever. It's horrible, like the negotiating, like because they are so used of having like dominatrix uh, selling away their only fan for $6. I mean, it's part of the game. Some, some of them do really beautiful content. They do an amazing content, but sometimes there are some blurred lines because a lot of cam girl want to pretend to be dominatrix but they have sex with other people on camera and then like they get so confused and they believe that's how it is right okay so they're not taking almost like the tradition of the craft into consideration there they're just hypersexualizing it exactly and then everyone's getting the wrong idea and most of those people the new customer if i can call them uh the new generation they are they don't understand anything they don't even know what is like protocol what they don't even make the difference between lifestyle and pro they don't make the difference between public humiliation and being humiliated um, in a private event with other dominatrix or in a in a car with the other dominatrix. Like the, there is like little stuff they don't grasp. They just fantasize everything. They have their own scenario on how it is, mm. and everyone has their own world, and you have to dive in. And sometimes it's just not fitting. Yeah. And I guess with porns exploded, you know, so yeah. it's it's just one of those things where it would just constantly be everyone's trying to top themselves, uh, top each other and try to get as much out of each other as possible. Or someone's going to give more offer, more for less. Actually, the, um, there is someone that I thought uh, she was a friend. And actually she isn't. She started in the porn industry and she wanted to turn into the dominatrix part. And she realized actually that her um, target market is not seeing her as a potential dominatrix, maybe by the look and everything, but they saw her almost naked in a lot of pictures, which is very submissive for them. And for them, it's really difficult to divide it. And yeah, it's, and actually like being naked and all, like it's empowering, but also like it's, it's beautiful to have the, those pictures for yourself, but it's also like just pleasing the gay, the gays, um, male gays. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's always like difficult to the, the female empowerment, the feminism, the Me Too movement. Like we are the strong woman, but then like we you have ownership of your body and yeah. But then like people think like yeah, this is my body, my choice. So I decide to be naked on internet. If you're happy with it, then fine. But then don't complain if you have like some backfire because obviously like you expose yourself so much. Mm. And there are men out there that love that, you know, as well. Yeah, and they don't see the also the the other part like okay it's amazing when you get preached by other women who are supporting you but also you have this other side that men are just hypersexualizing you all the time yeah 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 so you don't you're not comfortable with the whole um you know naked on the internet kind of thing actually i'm not i'm not because i don't have lusted eyes i see you don't have what sorry a lusted eyes oh yeah yeah sure you know, I don't sexualize them. I just see a human posing, making maybe a beautiful picture, sometimes a little bit less, depending to my taste. But yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see the point of doing this. No. Because like, I mean, so far for um, branding yourself as a sex worker, it's great. But maybe one day you don't want to be this person anymore. What do you think about the whole OnlyFans craze then? Actually, um, I don't like OnlyFans because actually they're also very conservative people. They, um, there was like um, this situation, I don't know how to explain properly in, uh, in English. 
So OnlyFans is also supported and by conservative side in America. Right. And so they don't support sex working. But actually, it's the biggest income. So it's very hypocrite. Uh, hypocrite. The guy I read the other day pays himself 1.2 million a day. Yeah. Yeah. They profit, the guy that owns it. They profit on women who are uh, into their femininity, into their empowerment, into their sexuality, because they're free women. But actually, for me, people profiting for sex worker are proxenate. Right. But since they choose to do it, they're not. They're just a platform. Yeah. And that's why I'm also very angry at these men because actually they have so much tax and still they ban them. They make them go through hell. They don't even have warning about their content, but they profit on them. Yeah. Immensely. And, a lot of profit. Yeah. And that's why I was thinking like, what the fuck is wrong with you? This is you. You're, you're killing the cow that you were milking. Because mm. I saw as well that the kind of... I saw a statistic, I, I don't know if this is true, but the the kind of top earners, and they earn a lot of money, but then the it was like 87% of people earn around, it was like $400 a month on OnlyFans was the thing. So do you think there's like a culture of people that are kind of being brought to those platforms to see like, you know, from a women's perspective of saying, oh, if I jump on there, I'm going to get a lot of money for my body and I can show myself and really put myself out there, but then come to this kind of halt of like... Oh, the reality is changing. Everybody, as I told you, people are bowling about the money they make. Yeah. And actually, the, most, the biggest income is not the video itself and the subscription. It's when you have those subscriber who tip you. Okay. And so you have to connect with them. You have to talk with them. And this takes time. Mm. And this is something that you never learn about. You have to discover it by yourself. Yeah, I'm just giving also free uh, free, free acts. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone thinking of signing up today? Yeah. And actually there Use are some... code Lou to get 30% off. <laughs> Lou 15. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but actually there are some people, there are some um, worker who use um, another individual to text with these men and they have like a percentage. Right. Because it's a full-on job. Like, they can't do it. Yeah, sure. And um, during COVID time, yes, they made a shit ton of money because nobody was traveling, spending money, and da-da-da. So, mm. of course, that was the best time. But then everybody jumped on it, so it was oversaturated as well. And, you know, like, sometimes when you see those um, women, they write 0.1 top. Yeah, yeah, sure, I've seen that. You yeah. know what does it mean? That they're the top percent earner on the platform, that's what I guess. Yes, and actually, I think in my opinion, um, the five top person are the one who makes the biggest income. And then from five to 20, they are the one who lives a good life and then the rest are struggling. It's like yeah. up and down. So do you think for those women that put themselves out there, there's kind of, it's selling the wrong idea to people signing up or? But the thing is like, it can be perceived as romanticizing and glamorizing this um, this industry, but actually, what they're doing is, for example, like they they promote that they are the top one zero something mm -hmm. to show to the customer like how active they are, how good they are. The yeah, it's a hustle. Know. In a sense, yeah. it's they're hustling, but through the customer. But the problem is like the common people, like a random girl who see it, she's like, "Damn, I can also make it." Yeah, what would you say to those that that dynamic between the girl and seeing those numbers uh i will tell them that it's too late mm. 
it's too late or you make a huge buzz through something in your niche and then like if you really want to do the sex working then yes you can go to this platform and use it but actually i think it's so saturated and everybody yeah. is doing a lot of extreme stuff and i am i, I am so happy i never did it <laughs> oh yeah yeah i never had a, an, anything on any platform why why do you, why would you not do it because um so when i started i was pretty young and i was always very reckless but i did so many shit in my life that has repercussion until now for example like alcoholism or anything now i'm just almost like not drinking anymore yeah but i can see like in my in my health it was very damaging and i was like what if one day i want to stop doing domination but this picture gets come back every so often and and then when you're trying to shape a new life it is almost this past life keeps coming back towards yeah. you almost like I, i was modeling also for a long time and um i had a situation when i had one picture that was so ugly badly edited i was half naked on it and i never gave my consent to get published and i asked that person to remove it and that person was like horrible she was like no it's my picture now it's my art And I'm like, cool, but it's me on your art, so remove it. And it's my boob on the picture. Even though I have a sticker on it, I don't want to see it. And I don't want you to promote this. It's really bad. Yeah. And, you know, just for this, I had a meltdown. I was like, oh, I have no control on my own body and my own image. Yeah, sure. So then I was like, okay, this can happen. So no can do. Mm. No only fan. Yeah, so, and you said that was a woman that had the, the photo of you. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, it was from a photo shoot. It was supposed to be, like, fashion and luxury and blah, blah, yeah. blah. So far, the picture is still on, I think. You think that she would understand, right? Oh, no, she's very entitled. Okay. She, um, she sent her friend to, how is it called, blackmail me. Oh. Like, yeah, she was Such really immature. Such a seedy side to these, these people. Some of them exist. They still do. Unfortunately, yeah. they're not woken it up. So I guess, I guess this leads on nicely to then what what does the future hold for nights in Shanghai? Okay, so <laughs> I am still me. I am still um, loving latex, um, leather and this aesthetic. I really live it. I wear this thing. I possess them. Some people pose with this and don't possess it. That's why I'm just meaning it. They just fake it to have like... Have it for a Friday night out or something. Nah, yeah. Sometimes they just make photo shoot with latex because they know a lot of latex fetishists would jump into it because like it's a yeah, first trap. Sure. But actually, I really love all of this and I was in this since forever and I will never leave it. So I'm still part in the fetish scene, which is like the alternative, more um, appreciator, enthusiast, but not like as a sex worker like in i'm totally out of it yeah just uh, kind of you know I, i hate to say the word hobby but you know like uh, <laughs> do you know, but you know what i mean like you have an appreciation for it yeah when you turn up but what what is the thing about latex for you then first of all the aesthetic the feeling the smell i mean it's it's like for example you wear your favorite hoodie mm. it's so comfortable for you or your crocs That's, your, Crocs, that's yeah. your thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I actually saw some Crocs the other day that I sent to um, Felix. I saw the Monstera one. Which one? The Monstera one. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They're yeah, amazing. Yeah. You should so get that them. So that was that was mine and Felix's lives colliding yes. into one <laughs> shoe. I sent him one where they were cowboy boots, and they even had the you know like the spinny part. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, that's for you. Aiden. They were women's ones, but you know, unisex. Hey, we are living in a world of inclusivity. So. Yeah, I just don't know if my feet will fit into them how they were shaped. That's the thing. Um, you know, I think Crocs are unisex, right? Yeah, probably. Here you go. They looked like Crocs on the bottom, so <laughs> I sent them, and Felix was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, thank you for your time. You know, the... well, well, I think we'll we'll end on one last question, though. Back on the what the future holds. The future holds. Um, so I was telling about my aesthetic and my style. Yeah. So actually, like. I realized that a lot of people compliment me about how I looked, my outfit and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to see what I can do with this. And I was thinking about doing um, personal styling or something like that. But I was like, no, I don't have the connection. I don't have the wardrobe that goes with. So it's impossible. And um, so I met Felix. Nothing's impossible. Very true, actually. <laughs> Um, actually, I met Felix and I spent a little bit of time in Dergrim. And there was this area called 414, and there are sewing machine and upcycling uh, clothes. So I was thinking maybe I can try something. So slowly, slowly, I started to uh, cut some stuff, resew them, um, create little parts that could that I could add on this, and uh, I could bleach them or dye them. And I was like, oh, actually, I can also create my own stuff. So I started to do my own patterns. Yeah, nice. I've seen them; they're really good. Thank you. So actually, now I am a fashion designer. Yeah, yeah. So you think that you'll bring that kind of BDSM look into the fashion? Mm, not necessarily, but um, I love to cultivate this uh, very feminine look but with also this practicality that I love because I, I also really love tactical wear. I don't know if you can see it, but I love pockets. And yeah. I don't know why women clothes don't have pockets. Yeah, they've been taken away for some yeah. reason. No, Replaced with the handbag. I was about to say because they want us <laughs> to buy the fucking handbag. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going for a, a t-shirt made of pockets. Oh, I did it. I did too. Did you? Yeah. Oh, you I'm going to see you more tomorrow. Actually, yeah, you should see the drop. Yeah. Yeah, it's tomorrow. Oh, no, it's tonight. What yeah, the it's fuck? tonight. It's now, isn't it? Yeah, it's in one hour. It's in one hour. So we'll celebrate and we'll see it. <laughs> and eat some pasta. And eat some pasta, yeah. Some BDSM pasta. <laughs> Hopefully with less blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be very red anyway, but it's the tomato. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. Thank you too. And uh yeah. That was very funny. Peace out, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs>